Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Josh Case. I'm our online campus pastor here at Calvary, and uh, I have the privilege today to sit down with the father of our house here at Calvary, Apostle Jim Rayleigh. Apostle, how are you doing today? Man, I'm excited, just grateful for all God's doing in the Calvary family and for all God's doing in the earth. Yes, sir. Um, maybe you are watching today and you're saying, hey, what is inside Calvary? And so I just kind of want to share the heart of what we're doing, Apostle. You know, we're um, we're sitting down today and the goal of heart of what the goal and the heart of what we're doing is to take people on the outside looking in and to bring them on the inside and sure. to let this be a place to, where we we share our heart, we share who we are, we to share um, the why we do what we do. And so, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for what God is doing here at Calvary. And um, I know it's only because of him, you know, that of where we are. And so we want to bring people into what God is doing in sure. and through Calvary. And, and obviously we're not perfect, but Thanks be to God for what he's doing here. And so I'm, I'm inc incredibly grateful and I'm ready to kick this off. And so, Apostle, I have one question for you. And I think this might be the deepest question of the day, but are chicken wings really your favorite food? Listen, chicken wings are way more important than pumpkin spice. I can agree. You, I agree. Now, fight me on it. But that's what I really believe. Chicken wings are more important than pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice is seasonal, but chicken chicken wings are ye all year round. Listen, chicken wings are the alpha and the omega. Yes, sir. They've always been. They'll always be. I, listen, if if they give you wings in heaven, I want mine to be hot honey barbecue. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, maybe next time we gather around with some chicken wings instead hey. of tea or coffee. But um. But, you know, to get this kicked off, Apostle, I don't, you know, if we're wanting to bring people into sharing who we are, share our heart, I think there's no better place to start than than who we are right. and our vision. And, you know, um, at the beginning of 2022 this year, we released fresh vision into the house. We were experienced the spirit, embraced the loss, and lived the life. And it's not like that we aren't any of those things anymore. We still do, but now it's more refined and, and more intentional. And But now we, we, we launched fresh vision of pursue revival, mm -hmm. build unity, release purpose, and we leave legacy. And I remember at, um, at Stafford Retreat, and as we were talking about it, there was so much life on it because mm -hmm. it's not just... It's it's not just that it's who we are, but it's also who we just we will long to be and to right. continue to be, right. and so um, I, I think let's let's kick it off with let's talk about pursuing r revival. I know that it's incredible. We're a house that we love the Spirit of God. We want Holy Ghost Pentecostal, you know, revival. Um, where did that passionate pursuit come from? Well, you know, I've always been committed to the move of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm. 58 years old now, and that passion I don't think has ever burned any brighter than it burns right now. I've had people ask me through the years, you know, Jim Rayleigh, why do you still pursue the move of God and pursue revival? Just plain talk, I believe you need to dance with the one who brought you. Come on. Yeah. Everything that we have in this ministry has been because we have remained linked That's good. to the power yes, of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I know if, if a young pastor is watching this. Here's what I believe. I believe that the attractional wave is crested. I believe just coming in and going through the motions and getting people in and out and not really having a God encounter, that wave is crested. Once we came out of 2020 and all that drama, 
people are now looking for something that is real, that yes, is sir. tangible. Yeah. So, you know, pers- pursuing revival is is real important, and I can talk about that for a minute in this sense. When 2020 was going on, and uh, so many of us had, had closed down our our services, and we went online. Yeah. I was actually filming here on the central campus, and you know we have the main building here seats about three thousand people, mm-hmm. and there I was preaching to a building that seats three thousand people, and there probably wasn't six people in the yeah. house. You know, I had the people filming, and uh, we had already done a set of worship that we were going to air, and I'm up there preaching, and man. The Holy Spirit came on me, and I felt it so strong that I launched it in the atmosphere. I made a statement, when this is over, here's what I said, our revenge will be revival. (laughs) And from that statement, God gave me a fresh hunger for revival. And it really has been almost foundational for what we've been in since 2020, 2021, 22. There's like an an awakening of the power of God. I know the first time that I came here, Apostle, that the, I mean, the first time I came here five years ago, my life was marked forever. And, um, and I did, I grew up, I grew up in the, grew up in a church where the spirit of God was definitely welcome. Um, but there just was something different here. And, um, it's 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 absolutely incredible. We really say it a lot. There's no place like Calvary. No, but here's the deal: every church that wants and longs for the moving of the Holy Spirit, you need to pursue revival. Revival means, uh, if you just define the word revival, it means a recovery of life okay. and breath. It means rising to what you were created to be from the beginning. Psalms 85, the psalmist said, will you not revive us Mm -hmm. again? What had happened in that situation was this. The Jews had been supernaturally set free from Babylonian captivity. The superpower of the day, they had been delivered. But here was the problem. They had gotten delivered, and the agenda was that they rebuild the tabernacle. And there was a whole lot that was supposed to be tied to that, but they were failing. And the reality was this. The writer said, will you not revive us again? Right. They were delivered, but not revived. Mm. And we have so many people who sit in churches, man, and they're not bound by what they used to be bound by. Yeah. They're not bound by pornography anymore, even though... Many wage war with that. They're not bound by drug addiction anymore. They're not bound by uh, whatever had bound Mm -hmm. them initially. They're free from that. Here's the real issue. They're delivered, but they're not revived. We're not a threat to the enemy if we're delivered. We're a threat to the enemy when we're revived, when we are awakened to our purpose. Yes, sir. So... I don't want to just pastor a church or lead campuses, all eight campuses. I don't want us just to be a group of delivered dead folks. I want us to be revived. 
So when you're revived, you're revived to your purpose. You're revived to your call. You're yeah. revived in your love for Jesus. You're revived in your pursuit of his word and his way. Right. So what we're doing at Calvary is we're pursuing revival. And revival is not just a date on the calendar. Yeah. Revival is a lifestyle, and it's something you consistently pursue. Right. I was going to say, it's not just a a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday. It's a a lifestyle of of going after that. You said something, Apostle, that you said there's a revival of, uh, of, of calling and purpose, and I know that there's something on our house that that is dear to your heart, yeah. and that's a, a revival of building unity. Yes. And can you talk about why is, why is building unity so crucial and so core to who we want to be at Calvary? Listen, that has been one of the cornerstones of my whole life is to build unity. One of the most beautiful parts of Calvary is the racial diversity, the different demographics that come from the wealthiest to the poorest, from the most influential people in our city who have resources to homeless folk who ride our bus and we provide socks and underwear and a change of clothes every week, and we've been doing it for 25 years. Uh, Several years ago, I gave an altar call, and one of the most influential men in our city who is a man of resource and a man of influence, he he comes forward with his arm around a homeless man, and they encounter Jesus together. Wow. To me, that's unity. Yeah. We need unity in the body of Christ as never before. And I know I'm going to shake some people up with this, but here's the truth. God is more concerned about the church than he is the nation. Come on, yeah, that's good. We, we, we want to see our nation unified. Well, you know, there's always going to be divisiveness in the nation. That's, that's the reality. But the church, I'm talking about black folks, white folks, Hispanic folks, we've got to come yes, together. Sir. And the reason God is more concerned about the church than he is the nation is because the nation cannot heal the church. That's good. But the that's church... Good can heal the nation. That's good. So one of the things that we have made a mantra here is that we build unity. We are intentional about unity. And I'm so grateful that our church is uh, almost half and half, pretty much (laughs) half minority, half Caucasian. And uh, it's an amazing thing to come into this building and so see so many people from so many different backgrounds coming together, meeting at the plumb line of God's word, pursuing his presence. But here's what you've got to know. Unity is not accidental. It's intentional. That's good. I hear people say all the time, you know, our church is in unity. Our church is in unity, and I pray that it is. But listen, if everybody that comes to your church thinks the same way, uh, if they are the same uh, race, if they're the same in everything that they do, mm-hmm. that's not unity. That's uniformity. It yeah. takes diversity for there to be unity. unity. That's good. There cannot be unity without diversity. There can be uniformity. That means everybody's the same. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of the word of God and the power of the presence of God is that it brings yeah. different people, Come on. different races, different yes. demographics, different socioeconomic 
uh, backgrounds of people yeah. together, and they find unity yeah. in the presence of the Lord. So it is a mandate for me. It's a mandate for all of our campuses, and it is the vision of this house, not only to pursue revival, but to build unity. Build unity, yes, sir. You know, I, we were talking about this the other day, that I, one of the things that really does mark our church is that we are multicultural but also multi-generational. Yes. And you don't, obviously you have black and white and Asian all worshiping together, but you also have young and old and young adult. Like it, it's, it's, it's incredible to see, to see what God is, God is doing here. It is the wildest thing. Uh, and I say this and I give the Lord the glory for it. Absolutely. But it's like I'm getting older and our church is getting younger. <laughs> I don't believe in a generation gap. Yeah. I believe there's something called the anointing of the Holy Spirit Absolutely. that can bridge, give you an opportunity to touch all generations. Just recently, uh, I preached an event with 13,000 young people, and I preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We had 5,000 kids baptized in the yeah. Holy Spirit. There, I don't believe in generation gaps and all yeah. that kind of stuff, and we have to be divided from each other. We're the kingdom man, Absolutely. and God is bringing us together, so we pursue, pursue unity. I would encourage people uh, who are listening to this, especially leaders, man, build churches that pursue unity, pursue unity with other pastors and leaders, because this is not a competition. This Absolutely. is a call. So. Yeah, and I really sense that there's a there's a welcome for people of all walks of life to to be part of what Amen. God is doing here. I know, Apostle. You know, I moved down here um, five years ago, and this is it's obviously our our third aspect of our mission statement. But I moved down five years ago, and I was hungry for what the Lord um, had for me in my life. And but I had questions, and I was searching. And but one of the things that also really marks our house is that we release per we release people into their purpose. And I know that I can say it as for many people at Calvary is that Calvary has been a place that it propels people into their God given oh, purpose yeah. and destiny. And, and what does that, what does it take to be a, per, a person or a church or to re, that release and propel people into their own purpose? You know, purpose is intentional. It's not accidental. Yeah, it's good. And, uh, so we're very intentional about people discovering their purpose when they come here. Uh, I think we're living in a day right now where more than ever people are, are struggling with identity crisis. Yeah. You know, there's so much in sexuality and so, so many ways yeah. that the devil has just seduce the minds of people yeah. and cause them to lose their identity. I think when you come into the house of God and you gather with God's people, that this is a place where you find your identity yeah. as a believer. <laughs> your good. purpose begins when you realize, number one, I was created for his good pleasure. Yeah. I, when, when I arrived on the scene, I arrived with an assignment. Yeah. And that's what we help people understand, that... When, when they were born, they were born with purpose. And uh, so we help people discover their purpose. There's people who come here, they serve, they become a part of what God is doing. Yeah. Uh, we've had so many come here, wind up in ministry. Absolutely. Uh, some full-time, some just serving the house. Yes, sir. So, you know, the Bible said before I formed you in the womb. I knew you. Yeah. Uh, the issue was that story, the prophet, 
was uh, feeling like he was incapable because he was so young. That's wow. why in that same set of scriptures, the Bible said, don't let anybody despise your oh. youth. Mm. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Yeah. And here he is thrust on the scene to begin to prophesy this young prophet, and he felt inept and yeah. incapable. And the Lord said, boy, I had a plan for you before you even wow. got here. Don't you let anybody despise your youth. This is your purpose. Yeah. And that's what I want people to find here when they come to Calvary, to find out that even if they don't feel qualified or good yeah. enough, even if they've got issues, even if they've got a polluted past, yeah. all that can go underneath the blood yes, and sir. you can find your purpose. Wow. So we want to release purpose. Yes, sir. You know, we uh, we talked about a song, something uh, a second ago, and I think releasing purpose is also tied to part of leaving legacy, but, you know, we're a church that we care about the next generation. Oh, and, you know, we're in the midst of, you know, we just bought a building for Palm Coast, right? We just built a youth facility. We redid our kids' facility last year. And, and you know, many of our other campuses are buying buying buildings. And, you know, as a father in the faith, um, you might, you obviously have a different perspective than I do towards legacy. What What is your heart as a father towards leaving legacy? Listen, we've got to do whatever it takes to make sure that we leave legacy. Yeah. We, we've got to outlive ourselves. And uh, Pastor Josh, I heard him say one time, who is our senior associate, many of you watching this, you know Pastor Josh, great preacher, wonderful son in the Lord to me. But I heard him say one time that, Legacy is lived before yeah, it's left. that's so good. And so you have to live this legacy. Legacy is intentional. And as I've gotten older, man, legacy matters so greatly yeah. to me. Uh, that's why we've redone our kids' center to make it just absolutely state-of-the-art. Yeah. It's the most incredible place. I said I want us to build a kids' center that – that people would say, I don't want to go to Chuck E. Cheese, right. I want to go to Calvary. That's what I wanted kids to say. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, our our youth center yeah. that we just opened is absolutely amazing. Uh, we're, we're very intentional about training up next. Yeah. And, you know, in Psalm 78, there's a text that where the Bible talks about the fact that Psalmist said, we will not hide them from the next generation, Yeah, but we will... Tell the next generation what we have yeah. seen and what we have known. That's good. And uh, there was a the man who wrote that was Asaph. Yeah. Asaph, if you define Asaph's name, his name means the assembler, mm. the assembler. And what his job was in the tabernacle, he had the job of assembling the next generation right. of worshipers oh. and training the next generation of worshipers. That was his job. Yeah. His job was to leave legacy. Wow. He said, we will tell the next generation what wow. we have seen and what we have heard, what we have known. Wow. Listen, what we need now are ASAFs. We've got to leave legacy. As I get older, man, and I think through how good God has been to my life, I, I think about opportunities to preach in places that I used to dream about yeah. when I was younger and that have opportunities to stand on platforms of people that I've admired my almost my whole ministry. Yeah. But as I've gotten older, 
I'm not really concerned about where's my next platform. Yeah. Instead of looking for a platform, I'm at a place in my life where I want to become a platform. Wow. I want to create such a legacy where the next generation of preachers can stand on my right. on what I build, yeah. what I leave behind for our church. I want generations to come after us and know that there was a legacy that was left. Listen, every almost everybody that goes to churches, especially churches that have history, they, they people sit in pews that they didn't pay yeah. for. Yeah. You hear me? Absolutely. They're, 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 they're enjoying facilities that they didn't fund. Absolutely. Somebody left a legacy. Yeah. And they sit in that legacy, whether it be tangible or spiritual. Yeah. And that's what we're doing now. Calvary has become a place where we are dedicated to leaving a legacy for you, for your children, and at Jesus Terry's for your children's children. Absolutely. Well, Apostle, I just want to say uh, thank you for sitting down with us and, and sharing your heart for, for you know, what God's doing here. And um, obviously it, it means so much to me and to all those um, watching or listening today. And so, again, I just say thank you for taking out the time of your schedule yeah. and sharing your heart with us. And so we just say I love you. And for all of those of you who are watching online right now, this has been Inside Calvary. And so, like I said, this is a place where we want to share our heart with you. And so we just want to thank you for watching. And we love you so much. And we can't wait to see you next time.